Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Literally Literary. <laughs> With us, as always, yes, is surfer. Sean O'Brien. Hi, guys. Sean Fabernitz. Sean Fab. And Joey Bonnier. Welcome. Nice. You, you almost hit that. I almost. I was a little late. I guess you did it. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, you want it afterwards. Yeah, Maybe good you, enough. Yeah, it'll never be with the song. We can fix it in post. No, nah, I'm not going can to. Can you do that? that? You can. I can make Sean do it. Mm. <laughs> he's not. He's not, he's <laughs> not. I don't think you can make Sean do anything. <laughs> That's completely true. I, I can never convince him of anything. Um, I didn't say you can't convince him of anything. I just said you can't make him do anything. Yeah, either. There's a difference. There's a huge difference. Can't do either. Head over to Paul Zinkering to see the difference. If you yeah. On Flawcast.com. <laughs> That's Flawcast.com. I have some books. Yay, I have some books as books, always. Books, would you guys books. like to read some books? Well, you're going to read them, but yeah. Would you guys like me to read some books yes. to you? You can Aww. pay my books. You can pay my Automo books. <laughs> um, what how are we got? doing, though? What you got? What you got? Cool? What you got? We had a little Chinese food coming. Wait, Joey, what'd you get for the Chinese food? Uh, I think I got a little broccoli and beef. Beef and broccoli? Mm. With, but it was like a broccoli nice- Broccoli and beef? I've never heard it pronounced that way. Well, it's, uh, you know, like listing ingredients. You have to list the the most ingredient and then the next most ingredient. So it used to be beef broccoli when meat was cheaper, oh, but now it's broccoli beef. Interesting. Interesting. That's just my conspiracy. I've heard both. <laughs> <laughs> I've I'm heard with both. you, my friend. Well, not with you, but yeah, I, yeah. I understand you. Yeah. I'm with you in spirit always, <laughs> my friend. Uh, Shani, what'd you get? Uh, I think I got the uh, the Mongolian beef. I'm a, I, for some reason, I was like, you're going to say something like, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> um, my vote, my choice. <laughs> you guys both want beef, huh? I went with the, I went with the Kung Pao. Mm, the Kung chicken. Pao. Yeah, the yeah. chicken. Kung Pao chicken. I don't I, think there's a Kung Pao anything else. There's Kung, Kung Pao beef. Yeah. Really? I've never heard of Kung Pao beef. Yeah. Oh, I, there is. I, in Chinese situations, I would normally <laughs> I think you order. Have. Of oh. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Oh no, I was just saying I would normally order something breaded and fried, but in delivery situations, I've learned that's not yeah, the best. Yeah, it gets a little soggy. Although I yeah. had to convince my man to like, or you know, deliver to us, so we yeah. got all the time to come. So it's a little bit farther away. So let's go over the books we have. I have books. I have books. Mm. I have um, Oliver Twist by Charles Dickens, mm. Crime and Punishment by Fedor Dostoevsky. I probably pronounced that wrong. No, you did it right the second time. Brian Prejudice by Jane Austen. The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald. Man, (laughs) F. Scott Fitzgerald. (laughs) Jacob's Room by Virginia Woolf. Hmm. And I brought my boy Jimmy J back. Dubliners. Jimmy J. Dubliners. Oh, the Joyce. Jimmy Joyce. Jimmy Mm. Joyce. I brought Jimmy back. Um, I am bringing Jimmy back. Jimmy back. So yeah, it's mostly it's mostly novels this time. I realized I didn't Mm. have any like you know side any curveballs. It's it's good. Look at you. Mm. You're on a roll today, my friend. Don't encourage Um, it. Get stopped. (laughs) But I love it. It makes me happy. It makes me sad. Mm. That makes me happy too. God damn it. That makes me happy. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Um, I like when everybody's happy. No, you're not. Is any any questions on the books any like thing anything peeking out of you anything interesting that you know why do you have any questions any notes what is pride and prejudice um, is that like uh i always pictured it like you know a uh, uh, really old school law and order no that would, <laughs> that's interesting <laughs> no no exactly. um it's descriptive of the t- kind of two main characters the love interest it, it is a joey put in one you of the episodes it's like a chick it's like a chick flick mm. um but uh it, it's so it's a Female main character, essentially yeah. Elizabeth Bennet. Maybe it's just I think it because is? you have it right about Elizabeth. crime and punishment. Elizabeth Bennet. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, you have a little like <laughs> uh, uh, you know association there. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's right. Crime and punishment, pride and prejudice, <laughs> and both by Bantam. So it's like they have a very bizarre kind yeah. of duality to them. Um, no Dostoevsky parod- uh, pun intended there. Mm. Um, but that's I what pride and prejudice is. <laughs> He's that. De- I assume that. Joey wanted to watch Pride and Prejudice the last time, though. Or listen to read it Don't last time. Don't try to steer me one way yeah. or the other. I'm not trying. I'm just saying. You were mm. like, I'm in the mood for Pride I know and Prejudice. The, I know and the way you're reading worked. Dickens. So, you know, it's fine. Well, you um, made a pick? Yeah, I'll pick. Joey picks? Yeah, I picked. Did I pick last time? I picked last time. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, so, yeah. I, want, uh, I want Crime and Punishment. God wow. damn it, you fucker. Every time <laughs> I got a re- I don't even know why I grabbed it. Like, I just had, I had only the books you we had last time. You know what I time. want. <laughs> Fucking A. Why the fuck did I bring this? It's There's going to the be most, a million uh, historical All right, hold on, hold on. I can, can, I, can I repick? No, it's fucked now. I got to go yeah. ahead. What were you going to repick? I'll repick. I wanted to do Dubliners, actually. That was my second <gasps> choice. Yeah. I know that's going to make you happy. Stop. Oh I want to make you happy too, God, so that's, so that's good. <laughs> I, that made me happy. Just you know, hearing you say that made me happy. So for that, I'll read Crab and Punishment for you. How's that? <laughs> okay, hold on. I wanted to ask you one quick thing, sure. I, and I, I'm sure I know the answer to this. I was always going to ask you what writer, if you could have one drink James with one Joyce. writer. Yeah, I know it's James Joyce. Okay, I was going to ask you what would you be what? drinking? Uh, oh, whiskey. 
Just any, would that well, be Jameson? Just, well, it, I mean, I, we honestly, talk? I'd probably follow suit. I'd be like, what do you feel like drinking? And he'd be like, I don't know, what do you got? Just give me, let's go. And he would just like shout to a friend and be very funny uh, and he would bring, they'd bring us some whiskey. But we'd and, be in, we'd be in like Paris probably or something like that. He was, he was, he <laughs> was be in Paris. Both. Well, no, I mean, he was, he Walking was um, hand in hand in the Champs Elysees. We'd be sitting, but no, it wouldn't be in the Champs Elysees. We'd be, we'd just be amazing. It'd be like the craziest fun time ever with Jimmy J. Um, I'm fangirling out right now. But what writer um, would he, you talk he was, about? He He's was, not going to talk about himself. Um. Yeah, I don't oh, know. Oh yeah, you gotta be, you gotta be he careful. He probably about that. would. I mean, I wouldn't ask him too many questions about it. We would just kind of rap. He was just funny and chill. So I don't know. We'd probably talk about Paris, frankly. Um. <laughs> well, so he was he was exiled from from Dublin, so he uh, wouldn't have been there at the time. for what reason? I don't really know. For he was being just expatriated. I get a wow. How do Cor- I not know the that? Youth? Fuck me. Why don't I know that? What a great question. I'll look it up and I'll tell you next time whenever mm. we read Dubliners okay. and then Fortress of the Artist is a Young Man and then Ulysses and then Finnegan's Wake and then all the other things we've ever done with Jimmy Joyce. We're just going to constantly read James Joyce. I got hit in the head with Let's something. Let's do some Dostoevsky. You know, I have a lot of friends who <laughs> adore Dostoevsky. Um, I'm a big fan of the movie called Crimes and Misdemeanors by Woody Allen, which essentially mm. is Crime and Punishment. Oh, I didn't oh, know that yeah. actually. As is Matchpoint, believe it or not. I don't know Matt. He did it twice. <laughs> yeah, more oh, or less. That's another Woody Allen movie. What an original yeah. oh, He does a movie a year. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he's like eighty. So he, I know he is a hundred million years old. Um, yeah, I, so I don't remember reading this whole thing. I read a lot of it when I was younger, and it's fun and very slow and very uh, existentialist. And your definition of fun, man. Yeah, it, we yeah, could it do wasn't a whole fun. episode. On it was more fun than normal, I guess. I, I don't know. It's it, you, you. I feel like you'd like this, Sean. Actually. Uh-oh. Yeah, it's kind of it's it's not nihilistic, mm. um, but it is existentialist. What's the uh, douchebag level? Oh, <laughs> well, so <laughs> on the douchometer, yeah. yeah, like it's it's not quite it's not that douchey because it's okay. there's there's more hate there, I guess. Mm, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's so like there might be douchebaggery there, but it's like. It's sort of filtered by uh, by is angst. It, is it goth hate or is it like... No, it's uh, philosophical annoyance okay. and frustration. <laughs> all right, all right. It's about a guy essentially who's like, I, f- I fucking hate my landlord and I'm going to kill that, my landlord because hmm. nobody will find out. And if nobody finds out, can I do it? Hmm. Or will I be tortured by this, by this fucking bullshit that like, but I have to kill her. I have to kill her and see what happens. Is that the whole book essentially? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's the crime, and then we find out the punishment. Spoiler alert. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Are we done? Do we have to read it now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not really. The- I can read what it says in the back, which I've never actually <laughs> done before in this. Uh, so it says, um, a desperate young man plans the perfect crime, the murder of a despicable pawnbroker, an old woman no one loves, and Someone no one will Someone that single chess pieces? <laughs> it is not Wait, just- Wait, no, seriously. You- what is a pawnbroker? A, a pawnbroker, like a pawn shop. Oh, okay. Like a broker, yeah. So gotcha. you, you, borrow, you lend someone to someone. And, ah, I see. Um, uh, it is not just he reasons <laughs> for a man of genius. It is not just he reasons for a man of genius to commit such a crime to tend to transgress moral law, if it will ultimately benefit humanity. Um, is it not just? Sorry, is it not just he reasons um, for a man of genius to commit such a crime to transgress moral law, if it will ultimately benefit humanity? Um, so begins one of the greatest novels ever written: a powerful psychological study, a terrifying murder mystery, a fascinating detective thriller infused with philosophical, religious, and social commentary. Raskolnikov, Raskolnikov, goddamn, an impoverished student. So that's the main character. I'm going to have to figure uh-huh. out how to pronounce that. Yeah, Raskol. Raskolnikov, 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 an impoverished. Rasko. Damn it, I probably will do that. An impoverished <laughs> student living in living in a garret in the gloomy slums of St. Petersburg carries out his grotesque scheme and plunges into a hell of persecution, madness, so and terror. Crime and Punishment takes the reader on a journey into the it. darkest recesses of the criminal and depraved mind and exposes the soul of man possessed by both good and evil, a man who cannot escape his own consciousness. So when and when? Um... I feel like it was like 19th century, um, but it might not have been. Mm. Um, oh, I guess it could have been. Well, you know what? We'll see. It might have been 50s, actually. That'd be interesting if it's not in fucking public domain. Then we're like all fucked now. We're just going <laughs> to read it anyway. Fucking who cares? Um, yeah, we're commenting enough. 1866. Yeah, you know what? I meant to ask you about that. Like, because, like the whole, we don't really read that. I have no idea, much. man. I don't have a lawyer. I'm like, just going <laughs> to. Yeah, and who's going to fucking come after us anyway? I think we're just going to start reading whatever the fuck I feel like. Because I was looking at my books today, and I was talking to my man. I was like, I was like, fuck. Like, I, I'm going to run out of 
public co- public domain <laughs> books after a while. I think it's or fine because it's all commentary. I think so. I, I don't know. I think people might fuck with us if we try to like you know reproduce too much of it. But I guess we don't. It's well, not like we're gonna read. Yeah, the we're whole not competing with Audible. Point. Like yeah, fine. yeah, yeah fine. we're not gonna read the whole fucking. If book. people are doing movie podcasts, I think we're allowed to do book podcasts. Well, no, because people aren't like showing the movie on the podcast. We're not. We're only doing samples of the yeah. book. We're not reading. The no, whole I understand, thing. but I'm still just. It's yeah. like showing a clip or like a trip from a movie and then talking. Yeah, about it. I feel like that's completely. A trailer is also different though because a trailer is like an advertising thing and that's put out specifically for you to show. Which I guess we could argue this is But how would they not like that? We're we're free advertising. Well, I mean, it's like that douchebaggery where you like, you know, just have to block all labels when you're shooting a movie because you don't know who's going to be pissed and who's not. And, you know, but then you could turn around and ask them for money and they might give you money for being product placement. So like, you know, it's just, they want control essentially. I feel like we need different phrases for you because douchebaggery seems too vague. Like there's a there's general so, there's, disdain. I know. <laughs> no, it's fine. I just didn't. I, I was like, the phrase there for douchebaggery doesn't sound like your normal douchebaggery. Oh. And so I was like, like when I say, when you say douchebaggery, I feel like I knew what you meant. I, I mean, it's specific, it's specific to Sean Fa. It's like a Sean Fa rageometer. Well, no, no, no. I just meant that he has several different types of douchebaggery. Oh yeah. Like the, you know, a flowery poet is, is, is. Oh, Not necessarily being, du- being a douchebag, uh, but a flowery it, poet yeah, being flowery for the sake of it is douchebaggery. Yeah, and, pretension is, yeah. is one that element of douchebaggery. Um, but then, like, you know, there's an element of changing labels. Anyway, it's fine. <laughs> Let's just get into Crown of Punch. Uh, by the way, that? yeah, sorry, 1866. You're I, I was right. I thought it was 19th century. Okay, cool. That's I, when it was written? Yeah. And that's essentially when it takes place? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, more or less. Um, should I just go into it or you mean to read some of the I'll introduction? Introduction or just go? I think we have enough introduction, right? Yeah, dig. Okay. Let's try this. What did I say? Rasko? <clears throat> Rasko. Raskolnikov. Oh, this, this is Russian. There's going to be a million fucking Ra- words Ras- I can't pronounce. Raskolnikov. Oh, and I should, I should know. Does that help you? It was tr- Raskolnikov? Raskolnikov. Raskolnikov. But ra- you could say Raskol. Raskolnikov. 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 Yeah. yeah, you got it. Raskolnikov. All People right, are cool. going to complain no matter what. Exactly. I w- I'm trying to figure out who translated this. Um, you won't know. It won't say yeah, anything. It was Bob. Introduction by <laughs> Joseph Frank. He's a good guy. He knows, Bob, he knows Mike, the words. Mike, Mike he's, he's, uh, he's from Chicago. <laughs> Mike, <laughs> Mike translator Russian this one. All right. B- Bobby, union number eight. He amplified this one. <laughs> translator <right>. union. <laughs> Let's just go for it. There we go. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Part one. Chapter one. On an exceptionally hot evening, early in July, a young man came out of the garret in which he lodged at Saint at South Place and walked slowly, as though in hesitation, towards Cambridge. Is this the first part of the first place. chapter, or is this the? Uh, the it is chapter the one. Chapter is the of the first part. Okay, so this part whole thing one is, part is like one. five chapters, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. okay, cool, yeah, exactly. He had successfully avoided meeting his landlady on the staircase. His garret was under the roof of a high, five-storied house, and he was more like a cupboard, which was more like a cupboard than a room. The landlady, who provided him with garret, di- garret dinners and attendance, lived on the floor below. And every time he went out, he was obliged to pass her kitchen. He was obliged to pass her kitchen, the What's door. A garret? Which, a garret, I think, is like a clothing. No, no, like it's it's basically like a like a board, but. Um, a tiny little fucking god. Oh, up, like Joe. room and board. Is, wait, I'm sorry. Can you spell yeah. for me? Garrett, Garrett. G-A-R-R-E-T. <laughs> yeah, I thought it, I, originally for something I was thinking like uh, top floor or attic room. Oh, yeah, gotcha. So attic. the shit space, especially a small, dismal one. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Right on. Traditionally, that's even traditionally inhabited by an artist. <laughs> in parentheses, <laughs> I mean, you hate it even more. Fucking Sean. artist. <laughs> <laughs> and every time he went out, he was obliged to pass her kitchen, the door of which invariably stood open. And each, time he, and each time he passed, the young woman had a sick, frightened, frightened feeling, which made him scowl and feel ashamed. He was hopelessly in debt to his landlady and was afraid of meeting her. This was not because he was cowardly and abject, quite the contrary, but for some time past, he had been in an over, overstrained, ir- irritable condition, verging on hypochondria. He had become so completely absorbed in himself and isolated from his fellows that he dreaded meeting not only his landlady, but anyone at all. He was crushed by poverty. But the anxieties of his position had of late ceased to weigh upon him. He had given up attending to matters of practical importance. He had lost all desire to do so. Nothing that any landlady could do had a real terror on it, terror had a real terror for him. But to be stopped on the stairs, to be forced to listen to her trivial, irrelevant gossip, to pestering demands for payments, <laughs> threats and complaints, and to rack his brains for excuses, to prever- prevaricate, to lie. No, rather than that, he would creep down the stairs like a cat and slip out unseen. This evening, however, on coming out on the street, he became acutely aware of his fears. 
I want to attempt a thing like that, and I'm frightened by those trifles, he thought with an odd smile. Hmm. The little things yes. from Star Trek? Is all, is all the man's hand? Yes. All is in man's hands, and he lets it all slip from cowardice. That's an axiom. It would be interesting to know. Sorry, I don't know why the fuck my eyes are failing me right now. It would be interesting. Where's my, what did I just say? I almost spilled. Okay. <laughs> Get your shit together, O'Brien. I'm sorry. God. It would be interesting to know what it means. Uh, it would be interesting to know what it, what it is men are most terrified of. Taking a new step, uttering a new word is what they fear most. But I am talking too much. It's because I, can, it's because I chatter and do nothing. Or perhaps it is that I chatter because I, or it is, or perhaps, oh my God, or perhaps it is that I chatter because I do nothing. I've learned to chatter this last month, lying for days together by, in my den, thinking Lady Chatterley? of Jack the Giant Killer. Why am I going there now? Am I capable of that? Is that serious? It is not serious at all. It is simply a fantasy to amuse myself, a plaything. Yes, maybe it is a plaything. The heat of the street was terrible, and the airlessness, the bustle, and the plaster scaffolding bricks and dust all about him, and that was special Petersburg stench so familiar to all who were unable to get out of the town in the summer, all worked painfully upon the young man's already overwrought nerves. The insufferable stench from that pothouses, which are particularly numerous in that part of town, and the drunken men whom he met continually, although it was a working day. What's completed, a pothouse? A pothouse? Mm-hmm. I imagine like a... Like, like a stew place? Yeah, like, like a place to make stews. Yeah. Yeah. Like a soup kitchen? Exactly. Yeah, that, yeah that'll yeah. be good. Um, although it was a working day, completed, but completed the revolting misery of the picture. An expression of the profoundest disgust gleamed for the moment in a young man's refined face. He was, by the way, exceptionally handsome above the average in height, slim, well-built, with, beautifully, with beautiful dark eyes and dark brown hair. Soon he sank into deep thought of more accurately speaking into a complete blankness of mind. He walked along, the, he walked along not observing what was about him and not caring to observe it. From time to time, he would mutter something from the habit of talking to himself to which he had just confessed. <laughs> at, these moments, <laughs> at these moments, he would become <laughs> conscious that his ideas were sometimes in a tangle and that he was very weak. For two days, he had scarcely tasted food. He was so badly dressed that even a man accustomed to shabbiness would have been ashamed to, to be seen in the street with such rags. In that quarter of the town, however, scarcely any shortcoming in dress would have created surprise. Owing to the proximity of the hay market, the number of establishments of bad character, hey. the preordained ordinance of the trading, working-class population crowded in these I'm streets. Sorry, wait, what was that? The, what? Pre-or- Preponderance? Oh. What did I say? I probably said some bullshit. Preponderance is what That's I meant. That's like the majority. I, got I know. I'm sorry. A uh, crowd in these streets and alleys in the heart of Petersburg. Types so varied that we, what, when do they start calling it St. Petersburg? Do you know, Joey? Oh, I don't know. Okay. Like maybe he's just using it for sure. Yeah, probably Petersburg. Um, types so various were, were to be seen in the streets that were no figure, however queer, would have, been ca- would have caused surprise. But there was such accumulated bitterness and contempt in the young man's heart that, in spite of all the fastidiousness of youth, he minded his rags least of all in the street. It was a different matter when he met with his acquaintances and for his acquaintances or former fellow students, whom, indeed, he disliked meeting at any time. And yet, when a drunken man who, for some unknown reason, was being taken somewhere in a huge wagon dragged by a heavy dray horse, suddenly shouted to him as he drove What's past. What's a dray horse? I don't know. What is a dray horse, Joey? Uh, D-R-A-Y. Oh, really? I thought I was making fun of you It's a horse who wears Beats headphones. Beats headphones? Like Beats by Dre? Yep. Cool. Well, I'm sorry. D-R-E horse? D-R-A-Y horse. Dray horse. A heavy dray horse. It sounds like something that, like a horse that would... Heavy dress? That would like a... I don't know. Like... I don't know. Suddenly shouted at him and drove past. Hey there, German Falling at the top of his voice and pointing at him, the young man stopped suddenly and clutching tremendously at his hat. It was a tall, round hat from Zimmerman's, but completely worn out, rusty with age, all torn and bespattered, brimless and bent on one side in a most unseemly fashion. Not shame, however, but quite another feeling akin to terror had overtaken him. Dry horse is a, a horse used to pull carts. Heavy horse. Yeah. Got it. Okay. It's like a breed. Yeah, a large, a large, powerful horse. Right I knew it, he muttered in confusion. I thought so. That's the worst of all. Or oh, a stupid thing like this. The most trivial detail might spoil the whole plan. Wait, hang on. I think I'm fucking up. <laughs> oh, I thought it was it's still the, the point. I thought it was still the... <laughs> my bad. I thought it was still the drunk guy. I knew it, he muttered in confusion. 
I thought so. That's the worst of all. Why, a stupid thing like this, the most trivial detail might spoil the whole plan, yes. My hat is too noticeable. It looks absurd, and that makes it noticeable. With my rags, I ought to wear a cap, any sort of pancake. But not this grotesque thing. Nobody wears such a hat. It would be noticed a mile off. It would be remembered. What matters is that people would remember it, and that would give them a clue. For this business, one should be as little conspicuous as, conspicuous as possible. Trifles. Trifles are what matter. Why, it's such trifles that always ruin everything. How were hats he had not- such a big deal for so long and like then just there was this kind of like cutoff point around of the fifties where like Right, like nobody wore hats anymore. Yeah. Huh, I don't know. I don't know. That's like, a good question. I love that dude, when they go back to like the twenties or something and every single guy on the street was wearing a bowl. Everybody hat. always wears a hat. Yeah. Uh, everyone. I was just watching Back to the Future Three the other day and Marty comes back and he doesn't have his hat. And right. you know, old school McFly is just freaked out. Like, what kind of a man leaves his house without a hat? <laughs> My favorite phrase, by the way, is nice hat for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe it's before the nice era hat. of sunscreen. I suppose, but you would just get, you know, if you spent that much time in the sun, you would just. I also think it's probably just a fashion trend. Yeah, I think it has to do with styling of hair. Now we style our hair instead of wearing. Oh, before the wigs and the. Yeah. yeah. I want to know the first guy who didn't wear a hat and we're just like (laughs) made fun of him. (laughs) Where's your hat there? Can't afford a hat. Yeah. Zachary. (laughs) Why Zachary? (laughs) What's up, wear wind head? (laughs) Um, Okay. (laughs) I don't know. Um, That the. the slur. Yeah. <laughs> All the wind heads over there. Yeah. I'll dare they let the wind go through their hair. He had not far to go. He knew indeed how many steps it was from the gate of his lodging house. Exactly 730. He had counted them once when he had lost in his dreams. At the time, he had put no faith in those dreams and was Baby only tantalizing himself by their hideous but daring recklessness. Now, a month later, he had begun to look upon them differently. And in spite of the monologues in which he jeered at his own impotence and indecision, he had involuntarily come to regard this hideous dream as an exploit to be attempted, although he did not realize that, that he, although he did not realize this himself. He was positively going now for a rehearsal of the project, and at every step, his excitement grew more and more violent. With a sinking heart and a nervous tremor, he went up to a huge house, which on one side looked on the, looked on the canal and on the other onto the street. The house was let out in a tiny tenement and was inhabited by working people of all kinds, tailors, locksmiths, cooks, Germans of sorts, girls picking up a living as best <laughs> Germans they could. of sorts? What? Yeah. It's just so weird. There's all sorts of Germans. <laughs> it's Germans like he's listing sorts. like occupations and all of a sudden some Germans of sorts, Germans. girls picking up a living as best they could, petty clerks, etc. There was a continual going, uh, coming and going through the two gates and the two courtyards of the house. Three or four doorkeepers were employed on the building. The young man was very glad to meet none of them, and at once slipped unnoticed through the door on the right and up the staircase. It was a back staircase, dark and narrow, but he was familiar with it already, and he knew this way, and he liked all the surroundings. In such darkness, even the most inquisitive eyes were not to be dreaded. If I'm so scared now, what would it be if someone came to, something came, somehow came to pass that I were really going to do it? He could not help himself from asking as he reached the fourth story. There, his progress was barred by some porters who were, who were engaged in moving furniture out of the flat. He knew that the flat had been occupied by a German clerk in the civil service and his family. This German was moving out then, and so the fourth floor on the staircase would be untenanted except for, by the old woman. That's a good thing anyway, he thought to himself, as he, as he read, rang the bell of the old woman's flat. The bell gave a faint tinkle as though it were made of tin and not of copper. Oh, a tinkle? The little little flats in such houses always have bells that ring like that. He had forgotten the note of that bell, and now its peculiar tinkle seemed to remind him of something and to bring it clearly before him. He started. His nerves were so terribly overstrained by now. For some reason, tinkle is like the last word I would have expected to find in the book Crime and Punishment. It's like tinkle. Well, tinkle in the sense of like the, you know, the ringing. Yeah, I understand. It's just a, like a very, um, I don't know, feminine description of that sound. Yeah. 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 I wonder what the Russian word there is. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's like a weird translation. I always just picture Crime and Punishment as this like big, overwhelming sort of, you know, burly uh, bear of a book. Tinklov. Exactly. Tinklov. Yeah. <laughs> it's a beautiful sound, Tinklov. <laughs> exactly. He started. His nerves were terribly overstrained by now. In a little while, the door was opened on a tiny crack. The old woman eyed her visitor with evident distrust through the crack, and nothing could be seen but her little eyes glittering in the darkness. The but beating of number, that hideous heart. 
But seeing a number of people on the landing, she grew bolder and opened the door wide. The young man stepped into the dark entry, which was partitioned off from the tiny kitchen. The old woman stood facing him in the silence and looking inquiringly inquiringly at him. She was a diminutive, withered-up old woman of 60 with sharp, malignant eyes and a sharp little nose. Her colorless, somewhat grizzled hair was thickly smeared with oil, and she wore no kerchief over it. Around her thin, long neck, which looked like a hen's leg, was knotted some sort of flannel rag, and in spite of the heat, there hung flapping on her shoulders a mangy fur cape, yellow with age. The old woman coughed and groaned at every instant. The young man would have looked at her with rather peculiar expression, for a gleam of mistrust came into her eyes, and again, Raskinolov, a student, I came here a month ago. Oh, sorry. Raskinolkov. Raskolnikov. Sorry, that's right. Little rascal. Raskolnikov, a student. I came here a month ago. The young man made made haste to mutter with a half-brow, remembering that he ought to be more polite. I remember, my good (laughs) sir. I remember quite well your coming here, the old woman said distinctly, still (laughs) keeping her inquiring eyes on his face. And here I am again on the same errand, Raskolnikov continued. Really can't wait for you to uh, be our dungeon master. (laughs) Continue, please. (laughs) A little disconcerted and surprised at the old woman's mistrust. Perhaps she is always like that, though. Only I did not know. Only I did not notice it the other time. He thought with an uneasy feeling. The old woman paused, as though hesitating, then stepped on one side and pointing to the door of the room. She said, letting her visitors pass in front of her, "Step in, my good man." The little room into which the young man walked, with yellow paper on the walls, geraniums, and muslin curtain in the windows, was brightly lighted up at the moment of his setting sun. So the sun. Oh, sorry. So the sun will shine like this then, too, flashed. Oh, sorry. So the sun will shine like this then, too, flashed, um, flashed as it were, well, by chance. That was Kolnikov's mind. Yeah. I was saying, that was really cinematic, because you were kind of talking about like a movie thing. He was talking mm-hmm. about like the lighting in the, in the scene. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of interesting. Well, especially because he was talking about Muslim. But that's- yeah, I, I've never heard that before, and that's <laughs> oh, on the film set. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Is that a Muslim? Yeah, I always thought that. The only time yeah, I ever heard that was like diffusing a light on yeah, the film yeah, it's set. Basically, it, just like cotton. It is an actual thing. Yeah. but it's just. I know. It's just oh, okay. so interesting that he would like take the time to talk about like you know the actual quality of the light in the scene. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it. The, you know, Raskolnikov kind of has to be. He has to be observant of everything constantly. You know what I mean? Or are you talking about Dostoevsky's just use of imagery there? Or yeah, but both. Yeah. I mean, it, it. Yeah, it serves both purposes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I'm on board. I, I that was Cinematic cool. language. So the sun will shine like this then too. Flashed as it uh, flashed as it were by chance through Raskolnikov's mind. With a rapid glance, he scanned everything in the room, trying as far as possible to notice and remember and re- its arrangement. But there was nothing special in the room. Nice, Johnny. There was nothing special in the room. The furniture, all very old and of yellow mood, consisted of a sofa with huge bent wooden back, an oval table in the front of the sofa, a dressing table with a looking glass fixed on it between the windows, chairs along the walls, and two or three halfpenny prints in yellow frames, representing German damsels with birds in their hands. That was all. In the corner... In the corner... Never more. Oh, never... (laughs) That's true. Never more. In the corner, a light was burning before a small icon. What's that icon? I-K-O-N. Oh, that's weird. Anyway, um, everything was very clean. Don't the they floor, make follow the focus units? Huh? I think they make follow focus units and shoulder rigs for cameras. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Everything was very clean. The floor and the furniture were brightly polished. Everything shone. Lizaveta's work, thought the young man. This was not a speck of dust to be seen in the whole... There was not a speck of dust to be seen in the whole flat. It's the house of spiteful old windows that one finds such cleanliness, Raskolnikov thought again, as he stole a curious glance at the cotton curtain over the door leading into another tiny room in which stood the old woman's bed and chest of drawers, and into which he had never looked before. These two rooms made up the whole flat. What do you want? The old woman said severely. So he saw all this just through the peak of the door? No, he's already inside. Oh. I remember she invited him in. Oh, gotcha. Um, no, I don't. But I sorry. I'll, I'll take your word for it. Coming to the room and, as before, standing in front of him so as to look at him, so as to look him straight in the face. I brought something to pawn here, and he drew out of his pocket an old-fashioned flat silver watch, on the back of which was engraved a globe. The chain was of steel. But the time is up for your. But the time is up for your last pledge. The month was the day before yesterday. I will bring you the interest in another month. Wait a little. I will <laughs> gladly pay me- you Tuesday for a hamburger today. <laughs> But that's for me to do as I please, my good sir, to mm. wait or to sell your pledge at once. How much will you give me for the watch? Aliona Ivanova, oh, sorry. 
אבנובן, עד אבנובן, 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 You come to me with such trifles, my good sir. It's scarcely worth anything. I gave, you, I gave you two rubles last time for your ring, and one could buy it quite new at a jeweler's and for a ruble and a half. Give me four rubles for it. I shall redeem it. It was my father's. I shall be getting some money soon. A ruble and a half in interest in advance, if you'd like. A ruble and a half, cried the young man. Please yourself, said the old woman, handing him back the watch. The young man took it and was so angry that he that was on the point of going away, but checked himself. Before at, he wrecked himself? Thank you so much. <laughs> at once, remembering, remembering that there was nowhere else to go and that he had, he had another object also in coming. Hand it over, he said roughly. The old woman fumbled in her pocket for the keys and disappeared behind the curtain to the other room. The young man, left standing alone in the middle of the room, listened inquisitively, thinking. He could hear the unlocking of the chest of drawers. It must be the top drawer, he reflected. So she carries the keys in the pocket on the right, all in one bunch of steel ring. And there's one key there, three times as big as the others, with deep notches. That can't be the key of the chest of drawers. Then there must be some other chest or strong box. That's worth knowing. Strong boxes always have keys like that. But how degrading it all is. The old woman came back. Here, sir. As we say, 10 kopecks with 10 kopecks the ruble a month. So I take 15 kopecks from a ruble and a half for the month in advance. But for the two rubles, I lend four. Is that money? I know, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think those are rupees. Yeah. They're green. Mm-hmm. The yeah, blue ones the are worth ones. five. Yeah, yeah. The, the blue ones are worth five. But yeah, for the, the two, 10, isn't it? Uh, or 100? Maybe it's 50. Uh, yeah. But for the two, so wait, hang on, sorry. What were your questions again? Because now I'm like thinking about Zelda. <laughs> what were the color denominations of the rupees? Uh, green was one rupee, red mm-hmm. was five rupees, blue was 10 rupees, and green was 50 rupees. You said green They're, twice. Yeah. Shut up. I don't know how things work. Purple was, purple was 50, I think. Purple monkey Maybe it was like a maroon or something yeah, like that. Uh, I think your TV was broken. You're watching Teletubbies. But for the two rubles I lent you before, you owe me now 20 kopecks on the same reckoning in advance. That makes 35 kopecks altogether, so I must give you a ruble and 15 kopecks for the watch. Here it is. What? Only a ruble and 15 kopecks now? Just so. The young man did not dispute and took the money. He looked at the old woman and was in no hurry to get away, as though there was still something he wanted to say or do. But he did not himself quite know what. I may be bringing you something else in a day or two. Alyona Ivanovna. <laughs> a valuable thing. Silver. Ivanovna, Ivanovna. A cigarette box as soon as I get it back from a friend. He broke off in confusion. Well, we'll talk about it then, sir. <sighs> Goodbye. Who is at home alone? Your sister's not here with you. He asked her as casually as possible as he went out. They're just like the least casual as possible. <laughs> Are you always alone, old lady? Or like, can I just come and kill you at some point? Like, I don't know. Just go ahead. I'm just not really sure. What business, of, what business of she, is she of yours, my good sir? Oh, oh nothing in particular, I simply She's asked. Oh, nothing in particular. I, I simply asked. You're too quick. Good day, Alona Ivanovna. Raskolnikov went out in complete confusion. The confusion became more and more intense. As he went down the stairs, he stopped short two or three times, as though suddenly struck by some thought. When he was in the street, he cried out, Oh, God, how loathsome it all it is. And can I, can I possibly? No, it's nonsense. It's rubbish, he added resolutely. And how could such an atrocious thing come into my head? What filthy things my heart is capable of. Yes, filthy above all, disgusting, loathsome, loathsome. As for a whole month I've been... But no words, no exclamations could express his agitation. The feeling of intense repulsion which had begun to oppose and torture his heart while he was on his way to the old woman had, he, had by now reached such a pitch and had taken such a definitive form that he did not know what to do with himself to escape his wretchedness. He walked along the pavement like a drunken man, regardless of the passersby, and jostled along them jostled against them, and only came to his senses when he was in the next street. Looking round, he noticed that he was, a, that he was standing close to a tavern which was, which was entered by steps leading, leading from the pavement to the basement. At that instant, two drunken men came out the door and abusing and supporting one another. They mounted the steps without stepping in to think. Raskolnikov went down the steps at once. Till that moment, he had never been in, into a tavern, but now he felt giddy and was tormented by a burning <laughs> thirst. He longed for a drink of cold beer and attributed this sudden weakness to the want of food. He sat down at a sickly table. Sorry, he sat down at a sticky little table. <laughs> that makes sickly much more table sense. Is, yeah. 
He sat down at a sticky little in table the, in the, the dark and dirty corner, ordered some beer, and eagerly drank off some of the first glass full. At once, he felt easier, and his thoughts became clear. Wait, the Russians do cold beer? Uh, I guess it... Yeah, I think the only yeah. people who do warm beer are the Brits. Uh, the Germans. Oh, yeah, they do too? I think so. Oh, I think all those white people over there do the warm beer. I'm not a beer guy, but it just strikes me as... What about Otto von, von Warmbier? The beer baron? <laughs> beer? That. Oh, that's nonsense, he said, hopefully. And there is nothing in it all to worry about. There is nothing in it all to worry about. It's simply physically der- physical derangement. Just a glass of beer, a piece of dry bread, and in one moment, the brain is stronger, the mind is clear, the will is firm. Phew, how utterly petty it all is. But in spite of his scornful reflection, he was by now looking cheerful, as though he were suddenly set free from a terrible burden, and he gazed round in a friendly way at the people in the room. But even at that moment, he had the dim foreboding that this happier frame of mind was also not normal. Sean Fa. Isn't that what bars are for? <laughs> <laughs> there were few people at the time in the tavern. Besides the two drunken men he had met on the steps, a group, of con- a group consisting of five men and a girl with a cursetina. Concertina. Thank you. Concertina had gone out. No, thank you. You should be doing that. Um, Had gone out at the same time. Their departure left the room quiet and rather empty. Their persons still in the tavern were a man who appeared to be an artisan, drunk, but not extremely so, sitting before a pot of beer, and his companion, a huge, stout man with a gray beard and a short, full-skinned coat. He was very drunk and had dropped asleep on the bench. Every now and then he began, as though in his sleep, cracking his fingers with his arms wide apart and the upper part of his body uh, with bounding, arms wide open. <laughs> bounding about on the bench while he <laughs> hummed some meaningless refrain, trying to recall some such lines. Yep, that was the refrain. His uh, wife, I, I appreciate the year that. he finally loved, his wife, uh, a year he finally loved, or suddenly waking up again, walking along a crowded row he met. The one he used to know. But, but no one shared his enjoyment. His silent companion looked with positive hostility and mistrust in all these manifestations. There was another man in the room who looked somewhat like a retired government clerk. He was sitting apart now and then, sipping from his pot and looking round at the company. He, too, appeared to be in some agitation. It's the end of chapter one. Wow. I think that's the first time we finished a chapter. Um, we've done we've more or less. We I mm-hmm. think I think we did one in Great Expectations. Oh, possibly. Um, I feel like there might be one more, but that's it. What well, do you I think don't... so far? You guys sold? Um, again, much like the previous episode, I am very surprised Pleasantly at surprised. the Well, I don't just surprised in general at the readability. Um, the you know, I have always been under the conception that uh, crime and punishment, Dostoevsky, whatever the fuck is, uh, you know, just like one of those douchebaggery. Well, uh, huge tomes that is, um, yeah, like Shakespearean in its, sure. uh, it, uh, look, look, locution. Yeah, <laughs> electrocution. Um, yeah, so I, I guess it was just surprising again that it, like Plato, it's just kind of written in terms that people can understand. Yeah. Yeah, so far so good, I guess. Is that, is that a tribute to the translation? I think so. Oh, I'm sure. I think it very well might be. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that there's probably something, you know, more There's more douchebaggery. Yeah, uh, I'm sure like the word tinkle probably is, would be I, like, if you were Russian, you'd be like, this word is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> why why does Dostoevsky use such words? Yeah. Well, is, I, don't know, I don't know why you'd be speaking in English while we're in Russian he's, uh, with like a broken he's English girly man. <laughs> girly man with girly words. <laughs> um, shall I continue? Do you guys have any questions? Uh, was well, there any specific uh, scene point? that we like? Yeah, that is. I mean, um, I don't know. I, it, right it, it would be a little bit too hard How for me to How familiar are you with this? Uh, this story as it goes. Um, um, like how, how long do we follow along before he actually, before we get to the punishment half? Does he ca- about half? I think. Okay. Roughly. Wait, is, I, he- the punishment, I think, is his own punishment, his own oh, torturing. Yeah, right I think on. he's tortured by his action. He does go through with the murder. Yeah. So, yeah. so this has nothing to do with like legal system. Um, no, I don't believe so. Really? Um, well, I think they might, you know, there might be a cop. I think, I feel like there is a cop trying to figure out who the murder, like who I, murdered the kid I always or how thought the murder, this was like, died. A, like literally a tome on like, um, you know, what we should do with criminals, like criminal justice, like, uh, no, you know, 
Uh, no, yeah, it's yeah. not like a philosophical entry. It's 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 more existential philosophy, existentialist uh, philosophy. It's not like, more like first person and guilt and yes, like, precisely, right on, precisely. Yeah, how how just is it to kill someone who gotcha. who by all accounts kind of is just a horrible fucking human being and will and there will be more there will be more happiness in the world and yeah. less less sadness in the world. Mm. Um, actually, forget the happiness. There's, there will be less sadness in the world by by removing this woman from it. So I mean, you know, what is is that a just action to do? And he is, you know, he he's he's plagued by it kind of by this thought. But he's well, I wouldn't say plagued. He's consumed by this thought and he, mm. and he considers it. But he he does ultimately murder her. Spoiler alert. Um, we can go to that if you want. Do you know what chapter it is? Look it up, Joy. Uh, I didn't, doesn't quite say in this what article. Was your I'm first, though? Well, it's so interesting because he comp- supposedly he compares himself to Napoleon, which is um, same kind of thing you just like said. He, he basically, are you allowed to commit a lot of murders? Dostoevsky or the little rascal? Rascal. No, <laughs> rascal. Uh, rascal compares himself because he thinks he's committing murders for the sake of the common good. Oh, gotcha. Kind of thing. Um, but what's interesting is he also kills the the, the daughter, not the daughter, the half sister. Oh, the sister. Oh, because she, she's there. She walks in basically, exactly, mm. and she sees. I it. don't remember yeah, that do what part. You do. So it's kind of interesting. And then supposedly his mother and his sister, Rascal's mother and sister, come to to the city to visit him, mm. and he kind of has to like avoid all the you oh, know, the guilt like and all that stuff. And everyone's daughter is someone's daughter. Oh, it's kind of cool. Is I thought we maybe you could read the epilogue because it says here the epilogue tells of how Rascal sends to eight years of penal servitude in Siberia. Yeah. There's your punishment. You want to just yeah. read the epilogue? Well, I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah. Well, so. I actually was going to delve more into the philosophy of it. I mean, what do you guys think? I mean, if 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 you were in the same position, the if there was a woman, well, just let's put ourselves in the position first, right? Mm-hmm. We have we're, we we owe this woman money. Mm-hmm. Um, by all accounts, everybody does, and everybody nobody love nobody likes her at all. Yeah. Um, let's even say the sister. We'll mm-hmm. even say that there is a sister that that does sort of love her, so she vaguely is sort of affected by that. Um, because of course, the real question is maybe it was more just to kill the sister if she was the only if she's the only one who would be affected. Yeah. If the sister's the only one who would be affected by the death of this woman, mm-hmm. and no one would be affected by, by the, the death sister. of the sister, yeah. is it actually more just to kill the sister as well? Mm-hmm. What do you guys think? It's a greater good sort of thing. I mean, it uh, might be a stretch, but I think it kind of like ties into, ties into uh, droning. Um, you know, the idea that we can uh, great, create enough benefit from one death that would be justifiable. Um, it's a it's always a hard decision, I think, you know, and if it's, um, I mean, this seems a little bit uh, petty and selfish, certainly, but um, on a grander scheme, um, I can certainly see, uh, you know, killing for the greater good. Okay. Joey? It's kind of uh, what Trump was talking about, I guess, if we're going to bring that analogy in there, because he's talking about killing the terrorists' families, right? It's kind of what you were saying about killing the sister, right? Maybe maybe they're better off. I mean, this is not what I think, obviously, but maybe they're better off, theoretically, not living and dealing with the grief. Um, which is obviously ridiculous. I'm just saying. Yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah, I guess it's definitely comparable in a weird way. Um, the funny thing is, though, as by framing it as Trump's argument, it seems like all of a sudden it takes on a new light. <laughs> it is like, a weird oh, context. Now it's kind of, lo- Trump is kind of logical. logical. <laughs> no, I'm, say, I'm saying Raskolnikov is being illogical. Oh, were you Trump like, is like so instantly? What? Were, you, were you just kind of on his side the whole time? or He's a murderer. Was I on his side or not on yeah, his yeah. side? What, what is your perspective on the issue? Like Double that, homicide. Is, is it cool for him to kill her? Um, see, I don't know. I, it's cool hard to say. To I mean, I, I, I can understand his perspective. you know what that's from, by the way? Rule to be kind? Yeah. I must be cruel only to be kind. I'm sure that shake is. Uh, obviously, but, uh, I'm gonna guess Hamlet because every fucking thing. yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is Hamlet. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> I must be cruel only to be kind. He says that to Gertrude. I think mm-hmm. it's Act Four. Man, it's um, a fucking masterpiece. I know. I'm telling you. Uh, we should <laughs> yeah. do an episode of that. I know because it's cobbled together from random good sayings. Like, <laughs> well, no, no, just that scene is. The rest of them are all good sayings in, in and of themselves. But they're all ironic because he's making fun of no, all these things? No, that sayings? is not ironic. That, that part is Just that one section, Polonius's section, right. was yeah. the one I was talking about. But that's what I mean. They're making fu- Shakespeare is making fun of these sayings, right? Of some of those sayings, yeah. But but I must be cruel only to be kind. He's not making fun of that saying. That oh. that is that is a holy Hamlet thing. In the same way, like, to be or not to be, that is the question. Was what is the context Hamlet? of it? Of in that, must be cruel only to be kind. Um, she's basically, t- uh, he's, he's trying to convince... Gertrude that his uncle is actually kind of a fucking asshole and needs ah. to and like don't fuck him anymore quite literally don't fuck him anymore <laughs> um, throw you know basically she's like oh Hamlet thy words hath, hath you know cut my heart in twain um, he goes well throw away the worse or half you should mark twain 
Nice. And he's comparing, he, he, throughout he's comparing um, his, his dad to, to Claudius and he's like, how can you abase yourself to this? How can you sink so low? Um, and, and he's screaming at her and this, you know, he's, he's being very cruel to her, literally. And she's saying, you know, Hamlet, please, you know, um, basically just stop, stop. Where are you yelling at me? And Hamlet says, I must be cruel only to be kind. Um, oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. I thought it was originally like she should stop having sex with Claudius to be cruel. In the greater good. Or no, like no. That. Hamlet is saying, I must be, you know, I must yeah. be cruel only right. to be kind. I like that. Um, right around that, then all of a sudden the ghost appears again. And the ghost is like, you know, whatever. Anyway, um, I, I don't know whether I would kill her or what the just, what the justness of murder in general. I mean, if I'd have to go back to sort of, in a weird way, I, the ownership of a person's life. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Everybody has a right to their own life. And I don't know whose right it is to take that away in a larger scale. Mm -hmm. I, so the existentialist element of it is still fair um, because the existentialist element of it takes, it just kind of takes away ownership and, and sort mm -hmm. of, you know, everything that happens is the thing that happened. And, and you know, the, it doesn't, you know, how, how do you determine ownership of something? Uh, yeah. Why is it that we own ourselves? And if, and there kind of isn't really an answer to that. Jo John Locke had a, you know, a hypothesis I, and then the existentialists sort of like, you know, cut, cut all that away in a weird way. And we're simply saying, you know, well, it, there, all there is, is just, you know, minimizing pain, minimizing pain in the world. And the, the, the more of that you can do, the better off the world will be. Hmm. Um, I, I don't know how true that is, but, uh, yeah, but is it dangerous using murder in there? Yeah. What about her pain? Yeah. Uh, well, her, what if it's painless death? What if he kills her in his sleep? <laughs> oh, her pain of no longer being yeah, able to taking enjoy away life. her life. That's, that's not, that's not pain. That's the thing. Like if there is mm -hmm. no afterlife, then there's no pain. Period. Well, that's a, that's your yeah. pain. That's just like well, yeah, that, your opinion, but, but I mean, man. <laughs> well, no, you, if you're measuring pain, right. Then, then it is by definition, you are painless when you're in death. By the way, he, I don't think there are many painless deaths, by the way. <laughs> Fine. Then a second of pain or if someone, well, let's just presuppose that, that you could make it completely painless. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, somebody's sleeping and you just like, you know, put it in, you know, you give them a little bit of a serum thingy that just yeah. knocks them out. That's, that's it. But in one sense, you're, you're t we're robbing them of any potential fun or pleasure. Or redemption. Yeah, you're minimizing pain in the world. If we, uh, if, well, and that's if your, you're a Christian, you're, you're robbing them of their ability to repent so that, that you're robbing them of their ability to get into heaven. Yeah. But then you have to, the, the, the question I'm, is, I'm what sure is the, the Russians weren't too Christian. But. Well, the real question there is what, what is the evidence of the afterlife? And if you can, if you can have, if you can present no evidence to the afterlife, then it's sort of a, it's sort of a moot point as far as the existentialist element of it. And, and cause if, if you're only trying to minimize pain, then. Yeah. You know, there's there's fucking no afterlife because if somebody was bad, then you'd yeah. ha you're right. You'd have to give them the chance at redemption, um, and and but in a weird and by killing them, it sends them directly to hell, um, it, it, rather than you know the possibility of or the heaven. inferno. Yeah, there you go. Nice little nice little callback. Yeah. Um, but in the existentialist element, where there is no afterlife and mm -hmm. and pain, it, this kind of like painless death, you are by definition minimizing pain in the world and minimizing suffering. So you're um, on board with killing the old lady. Myself, mm -hmm. I don't know because I'd have to land in the idea of ownership. Still, uh, existentialism washes that to the side. Whether and, or not you own your body. And yeah, I'm not. I'm not completely unwilling to to question the you know that part of it or to 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 wipe that now, completely off the table. It seems like the book is kind of also preparing you to talk all about the, what the old lady has done, all of her crimes and stuff. So. What I'm kind of adding to this. What well, does she have crimes or is it she just like a, a bitch? Everyone owes her money and think, she's, yeah, right? Everyone's it, in debt to her. It's certainly not illegal to be uh, a of lender. Course not. Of course not. <laughs> I'm taking this further. What happens if it's like a slave owner, you know, and they, and they really do own people? Is that acceptable to murder them? Oh, I see. Um, well, yeah, I mean, that's a well, lot oh, so of moral we're about, oh, so we're talking about the, I'm taking this example so a bit you're, further. The example as far as Instead of, how bad the person is? Yeah, I guess so. Because obviously, to us, it seems obvious. Like, because just because you owe people money, I mean, or she's she's, you know, loaning out. She's a loan well, shark. No, that's what I'm saying. It's not. She, it, she's not it's just a question of it's no. Because I'm still balancing. I'm I'm purely I'm purely weighing uh, pleasure and pain. Purely. So it doesn't even it, it it honestly makes no difference whether whether the pain is kind of exponential to the point of slavery or or just kind of prosaic and and minuscule as you know a well, bunch of people are sad because they owe them money. I, I'm I'm saying that the the degree of it makes no difference. Um, okay. In that element of it, I guess. I, I mean, I just don't. 
Yeah, okay. I, I guess I can see what you're saying, but I, I'm trying to use the degree and just completely tip the scales. Yeah, but everybody was on board with, with possibly killing her, weren't you? No. Oh, no. you weren't? Uh, well, possibly, but... Uh, you weren't on board with killing her? No. No oh, way. Why not? Yeah, it's... That's just... No, you can't... And by the way, I don't think I was either, come to think of it, but... I, you can't kill. <laughs> why? Because the God said that's so. That's the first law. <laughs> no, it's just, it's just obvious. To, you can't kill. It's not, I don't think it's the no. first law commandment. First no, commandment. The first one oh. is you can't talk about Fight Club. <laughs> What's okay. the second one? You can't talk about Fight Club. Yeah, Joey. <laughs> no, you should, I think that you shouldn't be able to kill. I mean, it's just an obvious one there. We it's keep, not obvious. Why is it obvious? Uh, it's no, there's a whole book based on it. <laughs> no, I guess it's not obvious. But it, but in this sense, by the way, I was holding up the current book we're reading. It's not. It's that. it's just that in this situation, it seems obvious that that it's not the punishment for this. It's just the punishment does not fit the crime. If I you feel will. like you're being so specific as far as like the put the crime and punishment words of this. What do you mean? Well, you're, you keep tying everything back directly to the to the words Murder? themselves of like crime what? and punishment what? in that sense. What? I don't know. You keep trying to throw. You, I was just know. trying to make one quick small pun there. Oh, that wasn't sorry, the whole yeah. thing. Hey, you said crime before. You don't know if her crimes were that bad. I was just because I was saying it. That was that's what I'm saying. Okay. Well, that's what I mean. I think it might be clouding the that's philosophy. His version of, of a pun. That's why he hates <laughs> puns. Because <laughs> you're not very good at them. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't like them. If I was good at them, I would hate myself. <laughs> um, Specious reasoning. Um, it's not, it's, I don't think it's obvious that you just can't kill. I mean, I no, just, I presented the situation. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait, okay. So it's not obvious that's that you just can't kill. That's not fundamental in nature, certainly. It's not. So you would just kill people all over the place I randomly? I didn't say that either at all. So that, then why is it not obvious? I, I said, I, because it, there is a question as far as, you know, the, the the morality of it, when in the existentialist sense, right, where there kind of is no morality, and all you're really doing is ba is balancing the pleasure versus pain. Um, th that's that's a that's a tangible utilitarian weighing of something that you can decide whether or not it is essentially morally just to remove the okay. situation that is causing the pain. So that's a philosophical question. So it's not just obvious. I mean, you, you brought up the slave I didn't ownership, say it's, right? Okay. I guess, yes, the, obviously the, the philosophical question is not obvious. I'm just taking the specific example of this book because we're talking about this book. Oh, okay. Can't kill, you were talking about the old lady. You said, would you kill the old lady? I said, no, can't kill the old lady. Well, right. But your justification was that was it's obviously you, it's obvious can't kill. you can't kill people. Right. That's what I'm saying. That's your justification. <laughs> that seems it. like you guys have, feel like it's obvious too. I, I don't understand I don't why you're arguing. I feel like it's obvious no, really. just to not kill at all. No, no, that's true. I guess you, in this, in the global <laughs> sense, but I mean, that, I that's think why you, it had to be the first commandment. <laughs> like It's not the first commandment though. Oh, that's true. First commandment is like, you know, yeah. I'm God and you can't have yeah. any other God. Yeah, that's true. It's very emo. I feel like it's like... Things like six, four, or five, four. I was going to say four, too. But know you're actually right. I want to just quickly succeed that. Is that, uh, wait. Seed that. Seed. Uh, concede? Concede. Oh, Shit. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. You're going to secede from uh, oh, literally literary. Food. There's yeah. our Chinese food. Let's I'll concede con it all. I'll concede the point. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of Literally Literary. And here comes our Chinese food. Bye. <laughs>